Welcome to GodPod. This is a podcast from St Paul's Theological Centre, based in St Melitus College, which is a community of people studying and teaching Christian theology here in the UK and around the world. Graham Tomlin, Mike Lloyd and the occasional guest join me, Jane Williams, in discussing God, life, theology, in fact, just about anything. Well, hello everyone, and welcome back to another God Pod. And uh, we have uh, myself, Graham Tomlin. We have Michael Lloyd. Hello. And we have Jane Williams. Hello. Good, the old familiar team, still together after all these years. So um, today we are uh, going into a little new series. Uh, if you've been listening to God Pod over many years, you'll know every now and again we have a little series because it's not possible to kind of take everything all in in one go. And so we're going to look at uh, a number of. Um, of theologians that we particularly like and uh, engage with. And so um, we've got uh, four ones in this series. And the first one we're going to look at, which will be no surprise to many of you who have listened to Godpod over the years, especially if you've listened to Jane's voice in particular. Uh, we're <laughs> which gonna... I hope you have. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the voice we listen out for every time, Jane. <laughs> just, just ignore me and Mike. We just listen to Jane's wisdom. Yes, in fact, you could probably have them us edited out. <laughs> exactly. So we are um, uh, going to think today about um, the great St. Augustine. And uh, we are talking here not so much about the uh, uh, Augustine of Canterbury, the one who um, uh, was the kind of apostle to the English, uh, who um, was part of sort of founding Canterbury Cathedral and all that kind of, but we're thinking about the Augustine of Hippo, uh, this uh, North African theologian born in uh, in the, the middle of the fourth century. Uh, 354. 354, died 430 AD, um, was Bishop of Hippo, and uh, probably one of the greatest thinkers the Christian faith uh, has ever had. And so um, just for this God pod for a few minutes, we're going to just think about why he's important and why we are drawn to him, why we think he's imp- he, he matters, and maybe one or two questions we might have about him as well. So Jane, if I can um, draw you in to begin with, and if you had to say, you know, what, what, what are the, um, the reasons why you think Augustine is important for the Christian faith and what are the kind of key ideas that are at the heart of his theology what would you say? I mean I think I'd start with two and then and then we'll see what what else we want to add the first is um, uh, it, it is that wonderfully um, important and um, and innovative um, uh, autobiography that he wrote the, the the confessions I mean it's a really new way of doing theology in which he, um, it, it's all addressed to God. It's a long, long conversation with God. It's, a, it's an intellectual and spiritual journey that Augustine goes on um, and uh, unpacks uh, in a really unusual way, especially at that time, uh, his sinfulness, his interests, the things that he understands, the things that he doesn't, his childhood. So it's a, a, a really engaging way of doing theology. And we probably know more about Augustine uh, than almost anybody else at that period, the insights into what life was like, into what his intellectual life was like, um, his sexual life and so on, because of that book. So it's, it, it's profoundly engaging and it makes it makes his theology really human. Um, uh, he, a lot of people, uh, a lot of his contemporary church leaders uh, really hated the Confessions because they thought it was a very um, disedifying book for a church leader to write. Uh, describing his failings as well mm. as his triumphs. Up until that point, theology had all been sort of um, 
Lord Atrid only told the the, the good uh, the, the heroic stories about people. So that that's one mm. thing I'd choose. I think and, the, and the, the, just on just on yeah. that, Jane. I think the interesting thing I find about the Confessions is is as a, as a kind of autobiography. It's it's actually quite different from modern autobiographies in the sense that we tend to kind of look inside ourselves to find our own unique humanity. What makes me unique and different from everybody else? Whereas actually what happens in the in the confessions is Augustine looks inside himself, not so much to find out himself, Augustine, but to find God, um, to find out something about God and about human nature. In other words, he looked inside himself to find out who has made him and what this thing of human nature, in other words, what holds us together rather than what separates us out from one another. Mm. Um, and that seems to be a big shift between the kind of the world of St. Augustine and the world of that, and our world that, you know, uniquely he looks inside himself but not to find his own unique individuality find out who he really is inside now he's looking inside himself to find traces of the divine traces of, of of his createdness and traces of what human nature is about and i think the other exciting thing about the confessions is that it's theology done as prayer exactly it's addressed mm -hmm. to god all it's addressed yeah. to god and and while you're right graham he's, he's looking inside to see traces of god but but he's telling his own story directly to God because he knows that that's the only way to make any kind of sense mm. of it. Yep. Um, that's, and, and so pastorally, I think that's hugely important. Mm. Yeah. That is about. how, when, when I was teaching at Stephen's uh, house, we had a, a really lovely little exercise that we did at the beginning of each academic year. The new students were asked to write their own story as a prayer. Mm. What, why, why they got to this point. Uh, and, and it's a very good exercise to do. Mm. Mm. Say, Who am I before God? Uh, and he, here, Lord, is my story. Mm. Make of mm. it. And here are the bits I don't understand, the questions mm. I've got, to all mm. of which Augustine brings. Um, we interrupted you, Jane. You well, were full, I mean, you were in I, full flow. I suppose that's the trouble with having this conversational lark, isn't it? I have to let other people <laughs> talk from time to time. Um, <laughs> Uh, I suppose the other thing, if I had to choose, and as I say, there's so much in Augustine, the other thing I would choose is, uh, is his um, great discovery of, of the humble God. He talks about um, what you find out about God, what he'd found out about God in his his reading, his philosophical readings. He talks about the Platonists, all the things um, that the Christian understanding of God and the philosophical understanding of God have in common. But he says the thing he doesn't find in the books of the Platonists is God who becomes flesh God who is going, God who's prepared to die, God who is the humble God who comes to inhabit our reality in order to um, make it possible for us to be drawn close to God. And I've always found that an incredibly moving discussion, um, sort of revelation for Augustine, this very um, arrogant, um, self-confident young man discovers that uh, that the thing that he finds hardest and that he's had to learn over and over and over again is, is that the, the, one of the major facets of God's relationship with us is God's humility, mm. God's willingness to do what needs to be done for us. Mm. Um, uh, so that, that again is um, mm. primarily in the confessions. Um, I, I remember going um, to hear Henry Chadwick's lecture about Augustine. <laughs> Henry Chadwick was was uh, kind of doyen of academics, and uh, he he gave these lectures. I remember him saying, uh, 
the thing you have to know about Augustine is he never went into a room without being far and away the brightest, and most intelligent person there. Mm-hmm. So the temptation to that arrogance you were talking about, Jane, must have been almost overwhelming. But but it's his vision of God that undercuts that. Mm-hmm. And he well, lives think- that out by being prepared to be a bishop of a backwater and right on the edge of the civilized Roman Empire of the day. He spends the whole of the rest of his life from his conversion onwards, being a bishop in a very ordinary oh. town. He he learns that humility in 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 contemplating the reality oh. of God. And I think the, the other thing I've always found, which is related to what you were just saying, Mike, about, about Augustine that um strikes me when I when I read him, is that again, you know, here, here is one of the, the biggest brains, the sort of most intelligent. And perceptive of, of 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 people, and he was clearly a, a wonderful communicator, both in spoken word as well as written word. In his, we have kind of accounts of his sermons, and they're very kind of lively and engaging, and so on. And yet, even though he is, you know, a, a, this um, extraordinarily talented intellectual figure, um, he kind of knows at the end of the day, it's not just about our minds that we engage with God. It's actually it's all fundamentally about desire, and uh, he, he kind of understands, I think, human. Um, kind of motivation, psychology, and the kind of you know deep analysis he has of the, the way in which our, our, our the way in which we we work, and uh, you know I think it's right you know, to say to say that he, he you know, fundamentally is about what we love, you know w- what is it that, that, that we love? That's the thing that kind of drives us, and most of the time we are in love with things that are created. We think we can find happiness by pouring our love into created things whether it's another person or it's possessions that we own or the kind of goodness of creation or whatever um and those are those are good things but they're never the best thing uh, and the only one thing that can ultimately satisfy us is to love not just to, to kind of know intellectually but to love god who is himself beauty and goodness and truth um the, and the god who stands the, you know the other side of of created things as it were and um and there's something, something about that, you know. So, so his understanding of evil, I think, is is basically saying that you know we, um, we we do wrong things because we desire things that are less than God, and we would do anything we can to get it. We pers- pers- persuade ourselves to, you know, that those are the very things we, we we like. So we get a sort of twisted rationality, and then we do whatever it takes to get what we what we desire. And then so we say, you know, move from desire to thinking to action. Um, but it's the object of it, our desire, which is the crucial thing. And what needs to happen is for, for God to kindle in us a desire for himself. And there's that famous prayer that we all know about St. Augustine, you know, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you, which, which kind of goes to the real heart of, of so much of our, our um, human psychology and longing um, that we are restless souls until we find the one source of true joy and happiness, which is God himself. That is quite autobiographical, isn't it? I mean, he was restless intellectually because he had a very, very able mind, but he's also kind of existentially restless at the beginning of the confession, isn't he? And, and he knows he knows whereof he speaks, I think. Yeah. yeah. He, is, he is basically a pastoral theologian at heart, yeah. which is why he was a theologian and a bishop. <laughs> He gets a bad he gets bad press, doesn't he? For I mean, people assume that Augustine um, is saying that desire is wrong, oh. and that actually isn't what he's saying. Oh. He does um, he does say that the things that we desire are not in themselves wrong. The beauties oh. of creation are beautiful. 
But the problem is that we're trying to make them into God. They're trying, we're trying to make them carry all the meaning and purpose um, that we long for, and they can't. He talks about interrogating the, 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 um, the beauties of nature and then, and then replying to him, we are not God. Mm. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I think that, again, is, is, as Mike says, it's really pastorally insightful. Um, that so we're always trying to make so so many of the things that we long for. We're trying to make them carry what they're not mm. capable of carrying. Only mm. God is capable mm. of, of that of offering that deep satisfaction. And there is a because I guess within that there is a there is a critique that's been made of Augustine and someone like Colin Gunton I think would would have made this one, which is that that by by if you like opposing creation to God and saying well you know we desire created things and actually that's not 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 you know. Um, even though we may say those are good things, they are less than God, and therefore we should desire God, not created things. We've given a sort of negative spin on creation, which has meant that creation is not as good as it as it should be in Christian theology, and therefore, you know, by setting up this opposition between God and creation, if you like, if, if it's that way, that He's sort of denigrated creation in a way that um, that, that doesn't see the full goodness of it. Um, any thoughts on how, how would you respond to that as a critique of Augustine? Is that a fair critique that he's he has a sort of negative view of creation in that way? I think I think it's fair of the early Augustine, um, and it's one that he increasingly sought to correct. I think if you compare confessions, there is a certain amount of God in competition with mm. um, creation for our love, and the more you spend on creation, the less less you have to spend on God. At least there are bits that mm. seem to want to be read that way. By the time you get to the city of God, he's very careful to correct that whenever it, he says anything like it. You say, not that there's anything wrong with creation. Uh, there's a lot of that all the way through the city of God. So I, I think that is, yeah. and his, his thing about, you know, um, his friend who died and this was to teach me not to love earthly things. Well, you want to say no. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's no competition between loving your friend and loving God. Um, so I, I think in the early stages he was that's more that's a fairer critique than it became uh, later on. I think one of the, of the I mean again I think Augustine helpfully illustrates for us what happens when we turn a human theologian into a major authority. Augustine was brilliant. He helped us think through all kinds of things, but he 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 was fallible, and uh, as when he was. Um, thinking things through, writing things out and so on. He had no idea that the whole of Western Christendom was going to be built on his ideas, <laughs> presumably. Otherwise, he might have been more careful. It's a terrible, um, not that I think um, the whole of uh, civilization is likely to be built on any of our ideas. But, you know, I think it, it's it's always important to, to notice that, um, uh, that Augustine was a human being who, as Mike says, his ideas mm. grew and changed. And some of them, some things he got wrong hmm. and the things that we then christendom then just built on those things um were um taking us off in the wrong direction perhaps hmm. um like for example the whole idea of, of limbo a place where um unbaptized babies could go because he wanted to emphasize the importance of baptism and 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 um uh, and the saving um community of god's action the church so then he got himself this problem about okay, what happens to people who aren't baptized. And he mm. came up with this very unsatisfactory idea, which had profoundly negative mm. um, effects pastorally and theologically. Mm -hmm. 
and similarly his some aspects of his teaching on sex that that you know that actually it's in the sexual act that somehow sin is transferred from one generation to to another um which is a kind of it's a, it's a complex idea and you know we've got time to go into it in great detail but it's 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 bequeathed a sort of negative attitude towards sex in christendom since then which hasn't always been helpful now again there are things that can be said in defense of it but uh, the the you know the kind of the thrust of what he was he was saying actually it really hasn't been helpful in um in sort of western christian attitudes towards sex and generation of, of human life i think he's I, I, I mean, hugely, as somebody who works in the area of the problem of evil, I'm hugely grateful for his work on, uh, on in, in this whole area. But he has an aesthetic argument where he kind of suggests that suffering contributes to the beauty of creation as, as a work of art for God to behold. And you have to say, no. You would, yeah, I, I knew you wouldn't <laughs> like that one, Michael. I, I really don't <laughs> like that one. Um, but, but, at the same breath, he does help what people to, has helped the world to understand the nature of evil mm. uh, more mm. carefully and more mm. um, distinctively. I think. Than, than and it is, you know, it's a particularly powerful idea that idea that evil is it, it is a no thing. It's the absence yes. of good. It, it's not a thing in itself. It's not a kind of powerful kind of counterpart to God in some way that sort of rivals God. But it's the absence of good, and there's something very profound about that. When you kind of, I mean, there's all kinds of questions around it, but it's a really interesting idea. It's obviously not unique to him; it comes from kind of Neoplatonic background. But he gives a distinctly Christian shape to it. But that idea that evil is the absence of good—it's the sort of, it's the shadow of something. It's the, it's the kind of pull into the darkness, the pullness back to nothingness. That at the end of the day, there isn't ultimately a choice between sort of, you know, good and evil as two substantial things. There's only goodness or nothing, and um, that's. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, it doesn't solve the problem of evil, but then I don't think he thought it did. <clears throat> he came up with other arguments about the, the problem of evil, which show that he didn't think that that was a kind of knockdown dealing yeah. with it. But it does help us to understand it more accurately and more yeah. truly. And I think it's it's interesting how much we've come to 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 notice that absence, deprivation, lack produce. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. evil effects over so uh, so it, some people have thought that to say that evil is a no thing is is to underrate evil but actually mm. um, if you think how much we are walked by what we are what what we have not been given what we and what what we are deprived of yeah. um i think it, it can be a very powerful mm. and substantial yeah he was asked that question once you know what okay if evil is nothing how come it's so destructive and his, his answer was well if you cease eating for a month okay you, you you it's something you're not doing it's something you're not actually bringing into yourself it's a no thing but actually it's profoundly destructive it will kill you if you carry on that way and you could think of you know poverty around the world poverty of opportunity poverty of wealth poverty of food they are some other kind of the poverty of the like lack of peace in places where there's warfare that sense of lack as being the kind of heart of of, of evil is profound the lack of love uh, and what that yeah. was people and what that can create create is their own word but induce somebody is is very very well we've had a very brief look at augustine we could go on talking about him for many many hours weeks months and really should actually yeah maybe we should have another go Uh, but he's someone who again if you if you're just beginning to kind of dip your toe into this um maybe the confessions is the place to start which is an extraordinary work of christian biography autobiography he 
uh, teaches us about sin and grace, about the nature of the church, the doctrine of the Trinity, Christians and Christians and politics. The city of God is this great kind of apology for Christian faith within a kind of pagan context. There's so much to St. Augustine we could talk about, but just a brief little um, taster today. So thank you so much to Michael and Jane for another God Pod. Great pleasure. And uh, we will see you again sometime soon. Goodbye. That was God Pod, a podcast from St Paul's Theological Centre. If you want to send us a question, just email it to godpod at htb.org. We can't promise to answer all the questions you send in, but we'll certainly try.